Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the sand. You could never understand. Feel the fortune flowing. You know it isn't stuck. The bicycle is already a musical instrument on its own. The noise of the bicycle chain, the pedal and gear mechanism, for example, the breathing of the cyclist. We have incorporated all of this in the Kraftwerk sound. When your bike functions best, you don't hear it. It's silent. There's no cracking. Just shh. You're gliding. It's the same when you're in good shape and you're in form and you're riding your bike. You hear nothing. Maybe just a little breath. Pedal your blues away. You're tuned to the Yarrabug Radio Show here on 3CR. Either you're listening on your tranny, maybe you podcast this, or streaming it through the digital radio in your office while you're meant to be working. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. We're back for a new year, 2017, and already it promises more fun and frivolity here on <laughs> the Yarrabug Radio Show, and maybe we will be just a little bit out of breath. <laughs> That quote comes from Maxime Schmidt, who is a Kraftwerk friend and one of the collaborators. Silence in a bicycle, always to be much praised. <laughs> and and uh, hard to come by, I find, lately. Very much so. Let let's, let's not dwell on the negative this year, Faith. <laughs> Faith, let's stay positive. Lovely uh, day to be riding a bike. Lovely weekend for bike riding, too. And... If you've been riding around the city or you've just started back at work before everybody else, you will have noticed that there's another beautiful summertime rush of new people and old people and people are new to riding bikes and people are older riding bikes. All of a sudden, they're everywhere. And that, uh, I mean, I've missed it personally, but I, what, one of the things I like about Melbourne at this time of year or maybe in the weeks leading up to this time of year is 
the quietness in the streets and the sense that everyone's away, the streets belong to you a little bit more. Yes, and you can just hear that chain rattling <laughs> because there is no background noise. <laughs> I have uh, a lovely – where I live, I've still got um, last century's um, lavatory arrangements, so it's down in the back corner of the house. And when you're there early in the morning, when a normal weekday – and it's probably, say, 6, 6.30 in the morning, you can hear the hum of the southeastern, yeah. the freeway from, um, you know, two kilometres away, but there's this background hum. And this lovely two weeks, it's so noticeable that there's no noise. It's great. And, of course, the other thing is, because there's not much traffic, you can hear the cars coming from behind you. Faith, must have a few bike moments <laughs> stored up over the long period of time. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've been away uh, where I couldn't ride a bike, so uh, I've uh, only just jumped back on the bike, and Friday was the first time, um, just running some errands, and one of those days, like you mentioned, perfect mild summer weather, riding home through some of the back streets of North Fitzroy up into uh, towards Brunswick, and just had one of those moments where you, you see the street and you have the rhythm of your bike, and you just think, God, Melbourne looks good from a bike. Yeah. It does. It doesn't look too bad, does it, no, really? No. Uh, anyway, I'd uh, carry on from that theme. I mean, um, bicycle world and a lot of different things are pretty much the same. We all rely on stereotypes. You know, the recumbent rider who has a beard and sandals and <laughs> the roadie who's got, you know... Anyway, I won't go further on that bit. <laughs> so we're prone a little bit to identifying people. Yeah. Obviously, if you see an 80-year-old riding a fixie, you know something's – there's a mishmash somewhere. I think it was in Napier Street. Yes, I think it was, although I might be wrong. The usual sort of um, idea we have a, of a gazelle rider is usually very upright, yep. stayed, tracks true. I was following this woman riding down Napier Street – when she started to do a series of slaloms all around the bike lane, which well, was like dancing through the bike lane, like, oh, this gazelle, I'm going, oh, I like this. It was very funny. The other thing is that, um, oh, you haven't been back for a while, so I'll leave this bit till next week. I've got a um, lovely thing happening in the month. I've got an old friend who I've known for a long time and has always been trying to fix his bike and trying to do stuff. But he's one of those people who has this sort of, there must be some disconnection about actually how this goes with that goes with that. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, obviously if you give a spanner to somebody and say yeah. use it, there's a, there's a whole lot of preconceptions going on. And this could have been going on for a long time. On the weekend he's been refitting his handlebars and something else. On the weekend, uh, after a long time of showing the same skill over and over again, something seemed to have clicked. Really quite interesting. Gone from actually trying to muscle the machine to yeah. actually approaching it in a different light, you know, without knowing what you're doing with the tool or anything, but the attitude towards the bike changed, which was really – it was a bike moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a Heidegger moment. Almost. Oh, poor old Martin. <laughs> oh, don't bring up Martin again. <laughs> again. 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 Poor old Hannah Arrett. I mean, she fell for him. But anyway, let's move on to other things. News? News. Well, I guess um, 
Richie Port won the Tour Down Under. That was the uh, um, won it convincingly. Yep. Um, yep. First serious ride back since that. Uh, everybody's forgotten this. He had a yeah. horrible fall at Rio. That yeah. was pretty nasty. That was. Yeah. yeah. Had a shit. I mean, had a bad year last year. A uh, couple of illnesses. So great to see him. Um, very strong. And Adelaide comes alive again. It does. I was, you know, I was somewhere else and in a very disconnected sort of thing. So I didn't really click that the Tour Down Under was really on. But what I did see coming across on Instagram and that (coughs) was uh, all that peripheral fun that um, with people meeting up from all over the country. Yep. The, uh, like the maker yep. uh, event Treadley Bike Shop always put on where you used to get to see, you know, all those really creative people putting things together. Yeah, and Adelaide's a forum for that. That yeah. race is yet forum for that. People uh, discovering all those uh, nice hill rides and so many photos again. And I think, you know, it's it's become almost a cliche people say about the Tour Down Under, but so many photos of people with a pro yeah. who's uh, happy to... Yeah. Have a chat, have a photo taken, have a coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's become much more an important um, lead up or warm up or an, an ability to train in decent weather for the upcoming European season, yeah. which is great. Yeah. And I'm not sure whether um, this is jumping the shark or not. I think as soon as you have a Brompton race at, yes. the, um, <laughs> at the Tour Down Under, something kooky is going on there. Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. No, it was good. It's good to see. Yeah, I nearly had a different bike moment this morning. I walked out of the house with the two dogs on the lead, went across the road, and nearly got run over by a Brompton rider uh. going at five kilometres an hour. It was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> so the tour down and it goes very well. He did win it. Uh, well, won it with a great hill climbing display on uh, day three or uh, stage three. Um, what other news? What other news? So we should move on to. There's a. Uh, um, an idea called Passbox, which is strapping a oh, yep, yep. strapping a um, camera to the back of somebody's bike, and uh, then trying to analyse and get the data about how closely cars come to you, whatsoever. They're calling for volunteers. You'll find, I think, you'll find that if you just type in Passbox, you'll certainly find it on the Melbourne Bug page. Uh, there's a link to it there. So, I think the requirements to volunteer for it are quite stringent, but have a look at it. Yeah, they seem to, they've been calling for volunteers over several months now and talking to a large number of people who have volunteered but not been contacted. I think they've got quite specific requirements in terms of where you're cycling and how many hours you're doing. Um, so obviously they're going to need a lot of volunteers to find the number of people they need to get a decent set of data. So, yeah, if you are a regular commuter cyclist and um, you're interested in contributing to that project, uh, we'll put a link up in the uh, podcast that will go live either this afternoon or tomorrow. Yeah, and but, yeah. Ha- have a look at it. It's a great idea. Yep. Um, it'll be a fascinating amount of data, I can imagine that. Yeah. Um, and uh, just a reminder also, we mentioned this before the break, but um, – if you are a regular user of the Merry Creek Trail, especially where it comes down to the Capital City Trail, the bridge at Walker Street over the creek is going to be closed uh, for periods between January and April. Um, 
possibly also in early February, that'll be starting off if it hasn't already, there's quite substantial uh, works having to be done on the riverbanks to stop them sliding into the river. Uh, so this is just near Russell Station um, and there's several ways you can avoid that if it's a regular part of your travels. And the other, t- speaking of road closures, I must admit I didn't check the Yarrabug website, but uh, the city streets closed in the city for starting the tunnel at Beckett Street and... Swanston? I'm trying to remember now. Worthwhile checking um, either the Melbourne City Council... Um, yep. I think, um, actually, I think Bicycle Network has got some, something about the closures up there too, just if you're riding through that part of the city. And we'll put a link to that too up on our uh, page. Yeah, and while we're, um, I know we might get crowded towards the end of it, so I'm going to slide this little event in early. There's a great film being made on the 1928 um, Tour de France, which um, featured... Um, <coughs> A couple of uh, different teams from other countries, made famous for us in Australia by Hubert Oppenman riding in the race, and I think there were two or three New Zealanders and another Australian, and um, it's an interesting history. It's a great history at that time. A lot of these riders then, I think one of the other Australians, I should have looked this up first, they used to ride what was called on Musette. So they'd get a, a ride for a team in a certain race, as in then they'd ride for somebody else and stuff like that. Anyway, it's a great film. Now, it's on at the Acme Cinemas in the city, and it's uh, starting on January the 26th and will run to February the 12th. Very worthwhile getting there and having a look at it. Uh, it's called La Ride. La Ride, of course. Well worth going to see. I've got tickets to that. Ooh, sneaky. Yes, yeah. It was, uh, I'll just, um, like you mentioned, it was Sir Hubert Opperman with two other Australians and one Kiwi cyclist who teamed up to compete in as an untested team of four. Conspicuously raw amongst the elite 10-man European teams, but they were tenacious and learned fast. There we go. Don't tell me they punched above their weight. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a brilliant film. It's... uh, yeah, very well worth looking at. And you'll find the details for that at the Acme website. website. We'll be back in a sec. Estás sintonizando 3CR, 855 de tu dial AM. Se AM. Trên làn sóng AM 855. Each week, 3CR broadcasts over 130 programs in 25 languages supporting communities and viewpoints that you just don't hear about anywhere else. Subscribe to your award-winning multilingual community radio station, 3CR, and help keep these voices on the airwaves. Call the station on 9419 8377. The number is again 94198377. And you're back listening to the Arabug radio show on 3CR Community Radio. And talking about Le Tour and the rise from obscurity, 
I want to tell you a funny little tale that's had its, um, or one of its denouements, just before Christmas. And this is the tale of two characters, Bernie Torp and Christine Lagarde. Now, people might remember or might know that Christine Lagarde is the managing director of the International Monetary Fund. No small position. Bernie Tarp is actually another character completely. I'm just going to preface this with a little bit of background history. Think of cycling in the late late 70s and the early 80s. It was virtually run, the Tour de France was virtually run by big teams, Peugeot, Renault, um, what was the rally, TI team. They were very much big teams and they had everything very much locked in. The big team was Renault and at some stage they'd sacked their best rider, Bernie Hinault. In steps the sort of Kerry Packer, Alan Bond character of uh, French society, Bernie Tarp, who starts up a whole new team, grabs Bernie Hinault, the badger from uh, Renault, Greg LeMond from America, and then big money grabs a selection of very high-profile riders. All of a sudden, they win two of the next Tour de France's with a team called, what was it called? La Vie Claire, which I think is the clean life. That was what Bernie was selling. So he was using the race as uh, obviously a selling promotion for him. A lot of people remember that their uh, jacket or their colours were the take on the Modigliani squares. All right. Which is an interesting story in itself. They had a completely black uniform, and when they presented it, they all said no. And there was a art student who was a um, working for one of the PR things, whipped up the Modigliani sketch, and that's the way it became. Anyway, I digress. I digress. <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyway, they win two um, tour tour de France's, and you know the whole system works and. Bernie becomes this mercurial sort of French businessman. Anyway, he moves on from um, cycling, ends up buying the Marseille Soccer Club, drags it back from obscurity to win, a, uh, I think, a couple of premierships, and then finds himself two years jail because they're rigging the matches in the soccer. So anyway, Bernie goes to jail. Not long afterwards... Bernie ends up as a minister for Francois Mitterrand. (laughs) And because he's become a minister, he has to divest himself of a couple of his holdings, one of which is a large stake in Adidas. So it has to be disposed of. The assets go into the French, with part French National Bank called the Banque de Nationale or something like that. Anyway... Two years later, after Bernie finishes, I mean, two years later, though Cher and Adidas are on sold for about three times more money than Bernie got recompensed for it. So about 10, 12 years ago, Bernie then sues the bank for undervaluing the stake in Adidas. This goes through a long, torturous program, as you could think, for a while. So Sarkozy is Premier. Christine Lagarde working for Sarkozy. Bernie's a bit of a contributor to Sarkozy's campaign. The court the court case or the suing for the money 
comes under Christine Lagarde's area in the French bureaucracy. I'm, I've got. Um, I'm just going to say she signed off on the recompensation to Bernie, which amounted to 400 million English pounds. <laughs> Christine signed off on it. <clears throat> Bernie got his money just before Christmas. And, of course, things go on a bit. Christine Lagarde becomes head of the uh, International Monetary Union. Fund because the French pres- one before him gets caught in a hotel room in New York. I can't remember his name. <laughs> anyway, so the week before, Christ- before Christmas, Christine is found guilty of paying off Bernie Torp. No conviction entered, no fine, nothing else, and that's it. And walk straight back to the job. <laughs> Here is a curious connection between a bicycle team in the 1986 <laughs> and actually Christine Lagarde. It is that is still alive now. Now they've got to try and get 440 million off Bernie to get it back. His reply now is, "I'm ruined. I'm ruined." I bet you they don't get it back off him. How many cycling teams will he be uh, able to sponsor with that? That's not a bad idea. I think he's out of cycling. Yeah, yeah. The other thing he was famous for, the, if people from that era remember an ad, that was this sort of like crazy businessman going in a whirl around the office till one of his staff stopped him and took off the back of his back and pulled out the batteries because he was selling batteries. So it was, it was quite – it's a great story. He was, yeah. a, he was a lounge singer at one stage as well. He sort of got, <laughs> got that real, you know <laughs> – uh, poor old Bernie. Okay, so uh, if you're looking for something to do, enjoy the rest of the summer weather before uh, the uh, real life sets back in well and truly. Um, There's a few things coming up. One of them is uh, the freewheeling exhibition, which is still on at Scienceworks. Freewheeling's an travelling exhibition from the National Museum of Australia and has been slowly making its way around the country over the last couple of years. It explores the story of over 140 years of cycling in Australia and shows how bicycles have brought millions of people joy, excitement, freedom, even glory. captures the spirit, the passion surrounding cycling and the machines that have made this possible. I saw a small subsection of it at, I think it was Bendigo, and there's some beautiful old bikes, some great jerseys and a good cross-section... Um, obviously a big focus on sport, but also quite a few other um, aspects of the cycling life as it's been in Australia, especially with the early explorers and that. So that's on at Science Works until February the 5th. So you, it's the last two weeks. And uh, if you don't want to miss that out, it's time to get in there and uh, have a look. It's a great venue to get to by bike. It is too. Lots of bike yeah. paths and a punt, so yep. no excuses. No, and it's a good ride through the long little ride along the banks of the Maribyrnong. Yep. And if you want to make a day of it, you can always ride it down a bit further, have a coffee at Williamstown. Yeah. And they're yep. good. it's a good family bit down there because you can always get the train back. Yes. If the four-year-old yep. chucks a wobbly, chuck you know. Chuck a wobbly or... Yep. Yep. Um, also coming up is... Catherine Devaney's Pushy Women Show at Trades Hall in March 26th and it's a way off now but I'm mentioning it because it always sells out. So if you've missed out on some of these on the past, uh, it's a group of women talking about bikes, their love of bikes, their hatred of bikes, their adventures on bikes, their 
And the lineup for this year includes Helen Garner. Oh. Yes. Yes. Miff Warhurst, Kitty Flanagan, Rebecca Barnard, Amy Gray, Lucy Perry, Tegan Higginbotham, and there's a couple more announcements still to become but to come. But as I mentioned, it's March twenty sixth at Trades Hall. You can find the tickets online and we'll put a link up to them. But it does always sell out. Yep. So uh, if you're interested in getting along to a really fun afternoon of women talking about bikes, then um, I would suggest you take care of that now. I wonder if Helen's going to read that lovely passage of... Yes. <laughs> Nor, it's Nora, isn't it? Nora's yep. ride down uh, the Eastern Hill. Anyway. And yeah, who was the actress who played Nora? Oh, I know her name so well. Oh, you got me. Play school. No, she hasn't. Yes. So she, I have heard her talk about um, that role and they asked her, can you ride a bike? Yeah. And she said yes and she couldn't. Nice work. <laughs> <laughs> and and her, Got the role. Uh, her <laughs> adventures, uh, pretend, trying to pretend she could ride a bike. I spent a one, I'm not digressing, we've got a bit of time. I spent a wonderful afternoon um, teaching Julia Blake, who must have been in her mid 80s at this stage, how to ride an electric bike, one of those gazelle bikes, yep. which weigh about 20 kilos. Yep. And I'm going to say, Julia Blake is. Tallish, yeah. But Julia wouldn't weigh more than fifty kilos. So very light framed, <laughs> yeah. You know, statuesque woman. And uh, God, it was funny. The um, production company made a put on ankle pads and knee braces <laughs> and everything in case she fell off the bike and hurt herself. Anyway, she hadn't ridden for a while, but then t- and told me a couple of wonderful stories about her father taking away touring that. But within 10 minutes, she was going up and turning the gas on on the electric bike and going up and down a little street. I'm going, oh, she's going to kill herself here one minute. Very funny. Uh, also <laughs> coming up, uh, February 11th, so not that far away, is uh, the annual Melbourne Bike Rave. There we go. So uh, that's a, a great uh, evening out, four hours of dancing and riding. Yep, and, and you hook up the, the common music track, which is a great They'll idea. have a great uh, uh, mix, four-hour mix, ready for you to download, and they ask that everyone bring a little MP3 player or some, one of those mini speakers you can attach to your handlebars. Yeah. You sync them all, download, I mean, download beforehand, Hit play at the same time and become Bingo. a moving party. There you go. I saw one of the, a great amplifier on a mobile phone on a bike on Saturday. Yeah. Tell me if you've seen this. <laughs> I think the phone just sits there and you cut, cut a little slot in that cardboard roll in the middle of toilet rolls. Oh, yeah. Poke the mobile phone in there and use an ah. elastic band to tie the uh, dead toilet roll that's slotted into the phone over the top of the phone and you get this little amplifier. Wow. Yes. We'll have to give that a shot. I've got a patent on it already. (laughs) (laughs) And also coming up, um, the City of Moreland has funded the Squeaky Wheel to run some bike training sessions up in Faulkner. So there's uh, some women from the Faulkner community who've already uh, gotten on bikes and learned how to ride them. And this is going on until March. There's no set dates. If you take a look at the Squeaky Wheels website, thesqueakywheel.com.au, you'll find the link and a form for getting in touch with them to let them know if you're interested. And uh, they've got till the end of March to get as many women as possible onto bikes from the city of Faulkner. 
That's good. I've had about three requests, I think, in the last two weeks about somebody running a, just a simple program yeah. to show somebody how to f- change a flat tyre properly and, you know, yeah. those simple things that we yeah. can all do. And all of the people who ask me about it were women. Yeah, no. yeah. No. And I think uh, that's it for today's uh, show. It is too. Don't think... <laughs> um, so you've been listening to... The Yarrabug Radio Show on 3CR, and 3CR is a community radio station that relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. All the presenters are volunteers, and if you'd like to subscribe or make a donation to 3CR, you can do that at 3cr.org.au. Coming up next is Dirt Radio. Y'all know y'all know how to kick it out. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.